From Velocity Dance Center in Seattle, this is StanceCast, a production of Stance, Journal of Choreographic Culture. I'm Tyler P. Wardwell. The most innovative, daring, and original piece of dance performance you will see this decade. That's the title of Amy O's evening-length solo that premiered October 12, 2012, at Velocity. A week before opening night, Amy and fellow dance artist John Strunks recorded this episode of StanceCast. You'll hear them unpack the complexities of performing race, gender, and the communion of the ass. This is Amy O. and John Strunks. Hi, Amy. It's John. And John Strunks lives in Houston, Texas. Amy O. lives in Seattle. I'm just telling everyone the story. John and I met in Memphis, Tennessee. We were brought together through the oldest company in Memphis called Project Motion. They've been there for 25 years. And we were both performing our work We both had text in our work, both had projected text that was sort of telling uh, accounts and stories about us. And maybe you could speak a little bit to that, John. I'm always trying to create something that's about me, but I'm always like in denial about that at Mm -hmm. the same time. And so for, for when I started like with this idea, okay, I've never done this, and everyone's doing this video thing and putting images on the screen and making these music videos, and I wanted, I feel like I felt like this pressure, like, Hmm. okay, if you're going to be, like, legit, you have to do this stuff. And so I sat down to create um, just a, I was going to, I was sat down to create a dance film, and what came out was this, kind of, I don't know if it's abstract or not, but this sort of, like, story about explaining who I was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Essentially, explaining who I am inside and what, what I'm actually trying to communicate to the outside world. I feel like as... I mean, this is sort of a given as contemporary dance artists, you know, we're working with a non, nonverbal communication. And no matter how long you've been doing it, you're always going to come across, you're going you're gonna to encounter people who are like, I don't get it. I don't, <laughs> you know, it's like the oldest story <laughs> in the contemporary dance world. And so I feel like you and I were both creating these pieces that were like, okay, there's no question now. I'm telling you exactly (laughs) what I'm doing and what I'm thinking and why it's happening. And so that that we don't necessarily have to have that conversation, we can have a conversation about the content and the context of the work and getting over the hump of like, I don't get it. So, you know, I live in Seattle, which is one of the whitest cities in the, in the nation. Um, there's a lot of diversity here, but it's, it, it, well, in the contemporary dancing, it's pretty white. It's pretty segregated. We're trying to change that. And as, as a white woman who teaches hip-hop and who has been genuinely influenced by that culture since I was a kid and used that in my work, and it's just there, I've gotten more criticism in the Northwest uh, from about that than I did when I went to Memphis. I felt like I was really seen. And half, you know, half the audience was black, half the audience was white, half the performers were black, half the performers were white. And I think it's fascinating, too, that I'm talking, when we talk about race in America, a lot of times it's around, it's a black or white thing. We know, of course, it's not just that, but that's our history. But it was such an 
awesome experience to be performing that Sierra choreography and seeing all these young African-American kids on the side of the stage, like freaking out, you know, <laughs> and, and being really awesome supportive. To watch that happen, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and it, it was like a call. It was like, um, it was like church bells right. every night, <laughs> every night, the minute, the moment that that no matter what anyone was doing and it wasn't just you know it wasn't just the um the african-american dancers backstage right. it was basic it was it was literally not literally it was actually everyone mm. as controversial as the content of that is as controversial as everything was that surrounds it mm -hmm. i think it speaks to the controversy of the initial act of her initial act of doing that the way that she did it that it attracted so much attention right. that it became frightening right. out of context. In the context of what we were doing, that was, that was like the holiest moment of the whole show for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that to be funny, but it was. No, it's like, it just really cool to hear it. It was the quietest there. moment backstage. Right, yeah. It was like reverence. Right. We must, you know, we must go, you know, it's like communion. It really was. <laughs> communion of the ass. Um, it was. It was like every night. You know, the first time I performed that a year ago in Seattle, when I first started developing this piece, the, the, the responses were very, very mixed. And some of my white lady friends were, when they first saw it, were like, why are you doing that to yourself? Why are you subjecting yourself to that and then they would read the project the text afterwards and understand why and then they would sort of relax about it but I, I think that that attitude has changed I recently I think I told you this but I recently taught that choreography uh to like 35 people and I had one <laughs> I had one student come up to me afterwards and was like, I feel so liberated now. Thank you so much. You don't understand. I'm an ex-Mormon. I would get totally extricated from the church for doing this. And it was just like such an amazing moment. Um, and also, like, we talk a lot about bounce music and, um, you know, the Southern bounce culture in New Orleans and my classes. And, you know, I went to a Big Frida show um, a couple months ago and just everybody wants to be a part of that you know, black, white, straight, gay, Asian, Indian, whatever your your race or gender or sexual orientation is. I love that that environment is about shaking your ass, but it's really more about, it's about celebrating your body and just celebrating who you are and letting off steam. That can be, it can be so misconstrued. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a culture of sensation and that has always been, um, exiled to the exotic and all of this and this is where the you know the the whole like um feminism patriarchy you know black white you know the old white men's conversation like all of these things this is where this is where those conversations come into play and you see how exactly how many conversations are happening on the same parallel line and because when you get when you get down to when you get past the segregation of it and and there becomes entry points for people you know beyond you know race of racial classification to enter into um, cultural community with each other, 
the the segregation becomes very clearly, you know, feeling versus thinking thing. And sensation has always been a, you know, this incredibly liberating thing for for people and it's very frightening because it is the moment where thinking loses control of reason. Like once you really begin to feel something you you run the risk of losing your logical mind for lack of a better way to explain it. And that's you know, like that's what was so amazing about that's what's so that was what was so amazing to me about the the excerpt that you showed in Memphis was how you didn't really ride a straight line down the middle through the entire work. You allowed yourself to bounce from wall to wall. So you really see the extremes. I mean even I mean that Sierra section is an example of like how how you know the polarity of that experience and how much of that isn't really about what you're doing but about what people are seeing you do and how they think about what you're doing and then also what they think about what's being written what they understand about what's written you know what the text back there and all of that and this the polarity of that and how you ultimately either make a decision about it or you don't you know, it still happened, it's still going to happen, it's still going on. I'm not saying that either one is completely right or completely wrong, but here is the situation, the situation that's been, you know, had us in the palm of its hand for, you know, the expanse of time, and everyone is saying that they're doing something about it, and nothing's getting done. Definitely. And it's cool to hear you say that because I, there are a couple of sections that are being added where I'm doing things in front of people that I've never, uh, I've never done before. For example, there's a pole dance <laughs> and bringing audience members up on stage. And I, I cringe uh, when I see that happen. Recently, I saw Gob Squad at On the Boards and they were amazing at that. So it was really uh, encouraging to watch their approaches. Definitely, I've been having some open rehearsals around those those sections because they are the most terrifying to me. And the feedback that I've been getting was that that there is no straight line, and that's what makes it interesting. One of the central points of the work is that nothing is black and white. We're complex people, and we're always having to put ourselves into categories for various reasons to justify our existence. And then, you know, obviously as an artist, as a woman, as a, you know, what, whatever you are, you're, you're, in order to get what you want out into the world, you have to commodify yourself to a certain point in whatever business you're in. And, um, you know, where do we draw the lines with that? How, how can we be completely authentic to who we are and feel really confident about what we're, because you do, you have to have a certain sense of confidence in order to, you know, sell your work to that presenter or get that grant, and um, and we're human beings, and so that's there's it, we kind of torture ourselves. I, I torture myself around that. I never, I don't know any artist that doesn't. It's one of the many systems currently in play 
that is constantly asking for something different, something new, something innovative, and doing everything in its power not to allow it to happen. Like there's no, at no, you know, it's very rare that you come across, you know, specifically thinking about funding, it's very rare that you come across a funding source that is actually has the resources to actually follow through with what its mission is in terms of like, okay, we want to fund this particular kind of art. And okay, so here's this money, and then they basically take your word for it, or the word of a third-party media outlet, or whatever it is, sort of collateral that you've collected along the way. And again, no one is making sure that the work is getting done in that way. And and you know, like that's just the oversimplification of a very complicated process that is called funding the arts. Right. But which is a whole other conversation that yeah. we really don't have to get into. But I find that really fascinating too for you as white gay man in the south. Um and when I when I look at your work too the you know it's not like you're there's not a whole lot of like hip hop dance vocabulary in the way that you move, but there is this uh, the music there, the music is there. There's soul in your work. One of the, one of the big conversations I got into with Robin Sanders was, I mean, after she saw my piece, and I think I told you this, she's like, I don't understand how a white person can feel soul. I was like, well, what does it mean to feel? What does it mean to have soul? And when I look at your work, I see that. I mean, you can speak more to your influences. I know in that piece that you did, you talked about growing up watching Soul Train, and you're wearing a Tupac Shakur t-shirt, and um <laughs> right now <laughs> yay <laughs> and um and i know that that's just been part of your your world as well interesting because i was actually having a conversation about this festival that i'm going to in november in dallas um and i was talking to this one girl and she was telling me she was like i just want to go she said i want to go because i want to be there i want to be there when when you walk into the room and everybody looks at you like, what does this white boy have to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she goes, because you're not going to walk in there with your pants sagging down. You're not going to walk in there with your hat turned to the back. You're not going to come in there wearing a dicey. You're going to come in there looking like what, like how you look, like some little queer boy that like walked into the wrong room <laughs> and you're going to be turned around and escorted out. And then you're going to start to move and then everybody's going to be all over you. And I want to <laughs> I want to see their eyes open when they, you know, when they see what you can do. And, I want to and, see that, and too. And not just what you can do, but what you have to share as an instructor. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, maybe I'm overthinking this. Mm. Maybe I need to just focus in on what it is that I do and let the world deal with me. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, not necessarily, you know, if they want to and if they don't, that's okay, too. Like, because, it, you know... We're not for everyone. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. But we are available. Yeah, absolutely. You're interested. <laughs> we are available. We are available. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's anything else. Well, the only, the only question or sort of... Um, thing that I was curious about was, was whether or not you had 
any insight into the difference in yourself between, you know, what is race and what is culture. But that may not be something you can answer right now. You might need to go through this whole process that, like, discovery is within yourself culturally. I think that that's definitely been... Oh, that's definitely been a huge part of this journey. For uh, for example, I I will admit that I have been one of those very naive white people that were like, I just, I love hip hop. I love the beat. And I'd, I'd rock some Dr. Dre when I was like 20. <laughs> and like, just, I love dancing to this shit, you know? And then like, I can't even stomach that anymore. I can't even hear the misogyny and the, I just, I can't hear it. Like I'll listen to the instrumental, but I can't hear it. So I'm like my, you know, I'm 30, I'm turning 35 on the 16th of this month. And I'm, I think I'm definitely in that f- space of my life where the veils have been pulled back and I see the complexity of everything. And that really is what this piece is for me. It really, I mean, it was like what you're saying is like when I started the process, it was like, how do I move? How do I want to continue to move? What are the, why am I attracted to the things that I'm attracted to? Why, why do I want to like, just like move my body whenever I hear big boys general patent track like I can't not move and it makes me feel like the most powerful person in the world when I hear that track when an eyebrow has been raised at this white girl who teaches hip-hop class and who you know there there's a reason for that racially there's a reason for that and I get it and I understand like this this I mean also I see hip-hop as it's an American urban folk form it was developed mostly by African-Americans in New York, but also Filipinos and a few white people, too. <laughs> and, and, and some others in there, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's urban. And culturally, I feel a part of that. However, there are aspects of it that I can never be a part of because of my race. And so I understand that as well, too. And it's, it's, a, and it's a complex place to be. You know, and I've had conversations about this with Rennie Harris, who's like a big hero of mine and who's he's a hip-hop professor at UCLA now and so his it's like his mission in life to educate people about the history of hip-hop so that the commercialization just doesn't completely swallow it alive he reminded me that the three laws of hip-hop are innovation individuality and creativity he was like hip-hop is the one form of dance where like anybody can take one class and then they then they go and they teach it and they think they can be a teacher and then I had to say, I think people do that with modern dance and ballet too. Like, like I think that happens yeah. in a lot of forms, but because of its cultural history, it's it's you know people get it 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 belongs to a movement, a cultural movement, and it's a vehicle for for essentially for oppressed people and people who don't feel like they belong anywhere else to to feel like they have a means to be who they are and. And that's where I feel like I, I've, I feel an affinity to that, you know. But I also, you know, grew up listening to The Cure and listening to The Smiths and listening um, to punk rock music and, and a lot of different forms where that was also the case. I'm still sifting through that, and I think that I'm going to have different feelings and opinions after performing this and after, after having more conversations with people and having my mind blown up even more. Um, and that's... 
ultimately why I think this is happening. And it's not something that I planned <laughs> at all. <laughs> I never set out to be like, I want to make a piece that's going to deal with this and this. And it's happened this way. And it obviously needed to. Yeah. It needed to. Wow. So, so here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> All because you wanted to make what you wanted to make. Exactly. Now the rest of us have to go out and deal with our stuff. How dare you? <laughs> we will be each other's mirror. <laughs> right. That's the that's the problem. I don't like what they see. You just heard Amy O and John Strunks on Stancecast. BC Campbell composed the music for this episode. Upcoming stance cast will feature European dance improviser and poet Julian Hamilton, Seattle choreographer Zoe Schofield, and Brian Rogers, artistic director of the Chocolate Factory in New York City. Stancecast is a production of Velocity Dance Center and Stance, Journal of Choreographic Culture. Our podcast archive and a trove of movement-inspired writing, image, and video can be found at our website, velocitydancecenter.org forward slash stance. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At Stance Seattle is our handle. I'm Tyler P. Wardwell. Thanks for listening.